0: On the Service Master by Cornerstone phone line, it is Chris Harrington. He joins me now. Chris, what are we listening to? a uh, Little Rock,
1: an early hit, mid-80s, I think, by Reba McIntyre, who will be headlining at FedEx Forum tonight.
0: All right, a couple things. One is we just had Jennifer Biggs on, and she was talking about Thanksgiving, and she said you are a fan of the whole bird. Is that right? You don't chop yours up in little pieces before you serve it? I mean, you know, before you cook it?
1: Before I cook it, no. I mean, obviously, you got to carve the turkey. Right. But um, no, I, I like, I like, I, I want the Norman Rockwell big roasted bird, at, you know, coming out of the oven, is what I want.
0: Okay, I have two questions, then we'll move on to basketball. Where do you get your bird?
1: You're asking the wrong member of my family on that, <laughs> uh, my, my, which is true of most questions you can uh-huh. ask. Um, my wife, I know, has ordered the bird. We don't, we're getting a. We're not getting a frozen bird or a pre-cooked bird. We're getting, you know. Fresh bird. It may be for Whole Foods. I know she's done that before. I don't know if she did that this year, but I know in the past she has done that. So we'll get we'll get a, yes, we'll get a, 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 a Thought out.
0: Right, Thought out fresh or something. Bird. Yeah, okay. I don't know how
1: fresh it will be, but, yeah. Okay. We will roast in our oven at home.
0: John Mikulski, by the way, says to Jennifer Biggs and me on Twitter, come see me at Whole Foods East Memphis for a turkey." One ninety nine a pound for regular and two ninety nine a pound for organic. Won't find a better bird in town. All right, and so then for you, the key I gather is brining. What do you do to the bird before you cook it?
1: Uh, We brine it overnight in like a you know a salt solution, a wet salt solution. Um, You know we'll we'll ice water, you know, and salt. Typically, we'll put it in a cooler. and and ice it down with the the salt water and, and we'll put it in our deck with something heavy on it. And usually it's cold enough outside with the ice water that that'll be good overnight. Yeah. I was going to
0: wonder how you fit that in your fridge. You don't. You do it outside. It's certainly cool enough now.
1: We, we have before. It, it depends on the year. It depends on the weather and all of that. Okay. And then what's the cooking procedure? Um, again, my wife is the turkey cook. I, I, I'm the, i I'm the dressing guy. I'm uh, the, I the, see. Sometimes the pie guy. We use we, we use the, the Alton. We, 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 we pulled out an Alton Brown Thanksgiving Guide out of, I don't know, Food and Wine or Savore or some cooking magazine like 20 years ago. Right. 15 years ago, and we're here to go by that. So it's very simple. And, you know, you season, season the turkey, I think, like olive oil and salt and pepper, and, you know, you stuff it with some onions and stuff, and, and, and you roast it. Brined, roasted, bird, Very simple.
0: And the dressing? What's, the, what's your approach to I, dressing?
1: I typically do, my, my family insists I do the same thing, mostly the same thing every year. So I do a cornbread dressing with andouille sausage, Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll toast some pecans to give it a little bit different crunch or texture. Sometimes I don't. But it's always a cornbread andouille sausage dressing.
0: And where did you get that from?
1: I don't even remember anymore. I, I, I printed it off. I mean, may have been Epicurious, which, you know, was a the Bon Appetit website um, recipe search. I may have printed it off of that. But at this point, it's been more than a decade. And so I, And I don't go strictly by the recipe. Whatever recipe I found calls for getting some kind of cornbread mix. Like, we just make a big, like, cast-iron pan of cornbread, and I then I'll, I'll, I'll use that, Yes. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, moving on to other matters, I have good news for you about your feet, and that is uh, I have I, size... I, I, need, I need that. I have size 12 feet, and right. I have the Black Panther socks, and they absolutely fit on my 12 size 12 feet, and I think they'll fit on your size 13 feet. Now...
1: Well I, I, well, I need somebody to give me some. They, they, they don't send me the stuff like they send you the stuff. Uh, need someone, someone, if right. you're listening out there, Grizzlies media people, like, set me aside some socks.
0: Set Chris Harrington aside some socks uh, for the first 5,000 people when they take on Oklahoma City on Friday. Uh, let's see. What does it say about it? Um, Oklahoma City fans want to arrive early. A 5,000 Black Panther socks. So there you go. Um, all right. Uh, in terms of the Grizzlies, Jeffrey asked me this. He said, we never did discuss the other day. Why didn't Jake LaRavia play?
1: I, so my theory, this is only a theory I not asked anyone. Actually, I was not there on site um, to ask this question. I don't know whether I would have anyway. There's plenty of other stuff to ask about. Right. But I think they see LaRavia and Roddy as slightly different on the positional spectrum. I don't think I personally see them as that different, but I think the Grizzlies do. So I think, broadly speaking, they see Laravia as a quote-unquote big and Roddy as a quote-unquote wing. And so Jaron comes back. That pushes Roddy down the depth chart of the bigs. And Desmond Bain is out, that moves Roddy up the depth chart on the wings. I don't personally see that much of a difference between the two positionally, but I, I feel like the Grizzlies sort of do.
0: I mean, isn't it sort of demonstrably clear that LaRavia's been better than Roddy?
1: Uh, I think he has, but I wouldn't go as far enough. I'll, 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 I'll grant that, that you could counter-argue. I think, I think LaRavia's been better. I think the, the, the lineup numbers suggest he's been better. The shooting percentages suggest he's been better. I think they're a little bit different. While they're similar to me positionally, they're different skill-wise. And LaRavia is more efficient but doesn't do much. Uh, Roddy is, is less efficient but does more. He's certainly more active, and he generates more, higher usage. And so maybe part of it is they you know, they lost Bain, who generates a lot, <clears throat> and they feel, feel like they needed someone else there who's going to help generate something. And so maybe that's part of the rationale.
0: Uh, they now have this stretch. I don't know how many games they're going to be without Bain, but here's, let's l- look ahead with the schedule is Oklahoma City, then at Brooklyn, then Sacramento, then New Orleans. It actually is pretty soft. Then New York uh, at New York, then at Minnesota, uh, then Philadelphia. That takes you through December 2nd uh, at Detroit, uh, et cetera. Are you thinking like they should go 500 without Desmond Bain? Or is this like, well, what, are you, what are you imagining here, like this stretch? I think
1: my general philosophy is like in the NBA, any road wins a good win. I think any win without Bain and, and Morant both in the lineup for this team is going to be a good win. I, I think it, it could be a real struggle for them. Um, I, I think they can be terrific when they have them both, and I think if they're missing either, I think just the, the roster's not set up to deal with that as well. You know, I, I think, you know, we've seen that on the season. I don't think it's right. going to be that stark, 9-2, and two, with both 0-4 without, without one of them. So I don't think you know those percentages are going to hold up in that situation, but I do think there's going to be a real difference. I, you know, the whole you know with 21 and four without Ja last year, I don't think that's happening this year when John Moran and or Desmond Bain are out.
0: Uh, and then there is news, um, I guess news. There's there's always it feels like there's always news from the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, uh, there was a Shams did a story saying that the next the Nets are fed up with Ben Simmons, and then. There was a bleacher report story where kevin durant said hey look at our starting lineup what do you expect basically (laughs) like right um it's such a disaster there it is such a disaster let's look back at the philadelphia trade by the way is that is that is philadelphia a clear winner but they didn't really get what they wanted either right i mean I, i guess then they did get james harden at a cheaper deal going
1: forward too like uh-huh. Yeah, no, Philly, Philly's a clear winner. I mean, Harden has his own issues, and now right. he's hurt, you know, but he's still been good when he's played. And, I, you know, if you, if you went back in time, doing what you do now, Philly would 100% do that, do that deal, and, I yes, think.
0: And Brooklyn would 100% not. I think that's probably right. – I, I think both those things yeah. are probably true. Uh, and then KD, um, like what do you – is he going to – what is uh, – I don't even know how to phrase this. Well, what do you think of KD now?
1: I think he's still one of the five to ten best basketball players in the world. Um, I feel like you know it's not that he has not contributed to some of the dysfunction there, but I don't feel like he's the prime contributor. I, it's His allegiance to Kyrie Irving maybe more the issue. But I think you know I think Kevin Durant could you win a title? Kevin Durant is your best player today. I mean I, I, I'm convinced that's true, and you know even with all the issues, I think. You know, his role in in the coaching change from Atkinson to Nash was counterproductive. His insistence on, you know, with Kyrie Irving was counterproductive. His insistence that they signed DeAndre Jordan was counterproductive. He's a bad GM, as I think many players are. But I think he's still a great player and still a winning player in the right setup. And so, like, if I have a team that's sort of set up, And you have to be set up the right way to make a trade for him and still have a team good enough and all and every, you know, good infrastructure and organization and the whole shebang in the right circumstance. Like I I would not shy away at all from Kevin Durant, but I think the circumstances do have to be kind of right. All
0: right. And I want to take a look at the standings here really quickly. If you look at the East, it sort of makes sense relative to what we expected. There's Boston and then there's Milwaukee. Atlanta's doing maybe marginally better than we would have thought. Uh, Cleveland has turned out to be pretty darn good. Uh, Toronto, then Indiana. The only one, honestly, I think Philly, Philly's Philly the outlier. Philly and maybe Miami, right? Philly yeah, and Miami. Yeah,
1: that's
0: fair. I think are the two outliers there. But even then, the bad teams are the teams that were supposed to be bad Charlotte, Orlando, Detroit, et cetera. Like, and then Brooklyn, which a lot of people thought it would implode. The East kind of makes sense with the exception of Philly and Miami.
1: The Indiana's West. better than people expected. You know. Yeah. I, they're, they're, and sort of, yes. they're sort of Utah East in the sense that people thought they would they be awesome. And, right. and they haven't done that.
0: Okay, but then the West is just freaking nuts. Like, the the, yeah. the West is crazy. So at what point, and I know it's early and whatever else, at what point do you start thinking, okay, the the Warriors really aren't that good and Portland and Utah really are? You know, or, or you know, I, I right now there's three and a half games between Portland at one and Minnesota, well, hell, Oklahoma City at at eleven. Um, right. So how do you, what's happening in the West?
1: I I mean it's it's even more of what I thought it would be. I guess I mean before the season started, you would ask me about some of these teams. I would say you know they could finish first or they could finish ninth, and like I meant that right, like right. you know that. that, right. that but they're, Portland they're, they're and Utah weren't
0: any of them. But like Portland and Utah right. were not included. No, that's what yes. I'm saying.
1: And now it's like they could finish first or they could finish eleventh. I, I, you know, I, I think that's sort of where we're at. Or twelve. I mean, Golden State, by the way, is 12th. I mean, they're a game back. Right. You know, and they're Golden State. Right. So I think at this point, only three teams have sorted themselves out. And that's the Rockets, the Lakers. And the Spurs have the same record as but I still think the Spurs have right. sorted themselves out. I think, yeah. I think reality came to San Antonio. So those are the teams that sorted themselves out. I still think Oklahoma City, like in the near future, will sort themselves out. But Shane Dillman and Alexander so is playing, who, who's <laughs> coming in on Friday, is kind of playing at like an MVP level right now. And so maybe that they may have got a little staying power. I don't believe in the staying power, so I think they'll sort themselves out. But even that leaves 11 teams for 10 postseason spots, and that includes the play-in. And I think Portland is for real. I don't think they're going to finish first in the West, but they're a real postseason contender. I think Sacramento is 100% a real postseason contender. And Utah is unless they really, really blow it up and trade like three or four guys. You know, I I think, you know, dealing dealing one of their guards, like trading Malik Beasley or trading Jordan Clarkson, doesn't take them out of the mix, right? Right. They They have to trade like three or four of these guys. And so I think you could have if they if everyone decides to stay in it, you could have 11 teams really gunning for postseason only spots there. And I think, I think the range is one to 11 for all 11 of those teams. I wouldn't quite say that. I think the range is very wide for an awful lot of teams, like historically wide, maybe.
0: And then. Where do you think Memphis fits in that right now? Uh, it, Tell
1: me how many games John Morant and Desmond Bain are going to play. <laughs> I, I, if, yeah. If, they, if you told me that Desmond Bain comes back in two weeks and Desmond Bain and John Morant both play every game the rest of the season, I think the Grizzlies got as good a chance to finish first in the West as anybody. Um, I, I think it depends on that. I, I, I think you know they're one of the teams that if you catch sprite breaks, you can be first. And I think I believe that about the Grizzlies. But I also think they're one of the teams where if you catch the wrong breaks, like, you could easily, easily, easily be a play-in team. But, like, given that you, get may, you may have 11 postseason teams and 10 spots, like, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't count on anything. I think the Grizzlies' fundamentals are stronger than many, most of these teams. But I think it really depends on Morant and Bang. Like, I, I, I think Denver and Memphis, if you tell me, like, everyone's sort of healthy the rest of the way, it's reasonably healthy. Um, I feel good about Denver. I feel best about Denver. But I feel good about Denver and Memphis regular season, but it de- it really depends on the right guys staying healthy. And that's true of so many of these teams. The injuries will sort it out.
0: It's 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 reasonable to think, like, they're obviously not going to play every game together because someone's going to get bumps and whatever else. Yeah, and right, and right, right, right. Let's, let's put aside the idea of some catastrophic two-month injury. Let's say they play most of the games together, you know, they, they, except for – 10 going forward that one of one of the other one of the other misses 10 of the remaining however many games there are 60 games whatever it is uh after desmond bain gets back it'll be less than that it'll be 55 games they play 45 of the next 55 together um you feel pretty good about them finishing in the top four in that circumstance
1: uh i'd say the top six in that circumstance above the play-in line but yeah i I think the fundamentals are stronger than dallas than sacramento than the Clippers, even though the Clippers have gotten their stuff together a little bit more, than Utah, still than Portland. You know, you talk about Phoenix, Denver, Memphis. Golden State's got room to make up and all kinds of issues, but I sort of feel like they should be able to just get their stuff together, you know, at some point. But I, I so I guess I would say Denver, Phoenix, Memphis. Maybe you know, maybe you know, if I'm just betting on you know, reasonable out, median outcomes health-wise going forward. I, I feel like those are the teams in the regular season at this point I feel best about, given that Golden State, like, has some room to make up.
0: You have uh, talked, uh, speaking of Golden State, uh, they lose. Steph has 50 last night. They lose. What do you think the issue is? And then secondly, James Wiseman has been sent to the G League. You've been saying for a long time. That the problem with James Wiseman is he's not played basketball, and so this makes all the sense in the world, doesn't it? To just send, I don't, I yeah. don't,
1: yeah, I don't believe for the most part, G League should be seen as like punishment, punishment or, yeah. or demotion or whatever. Failure. I think it is a tool, and the NBA team should use it as a tool to help develop players. And for him, given given all the basketball he's missed, both because of his you know the college stuff that we know about so well, or the injury stuff, I think it's just hard to get the reps on a team trying to win. Um, and so I think, you know, sending him down there, as long as they use it well, I think it's probably good for him ultimately. And the problem with Golden State is like everything with Steph Curry. I, you know, I mean, the young guys, they wanted to step up, have not been good for the most part. You know, the vets they brought in to help shore that up, like even Chinzo has been a disappointment. And like Jordan Poole has been bad. And like I, I don't, like to me, everyone has underperformed there except for Steph Curry, who's been great. He's played MVP level, but he's, he's got no help. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks.